Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Ilya. And today's episode, I wanted to talk about executive function. So um, executive functioning, I guess we could also say uh, this piece is is part five of a six part series um, that I'm kind of uh, doing a, an overview of um, autism. And so we're, we're kind of uh, putting together just like this mini course, I would say. Um, so we're on part five of six. And, you know, executive functioning is one of those things that um, is not exclusive to people with autism. And in fact, um, you know, as we've been talking about the multifaceted nature of an autism diagnosis, you won't necessarily see executive functioning deficit as part of that diagnostic criteria that we've been talking about. So, you know, one piece is that if you start looking as we were dissecting, um, you know, kind of breaking down that DSM-5, you will see how this, you know, particular piece kind of plays in there. Um, And so, you know, one of the things uh, in addition to bringing you an overview of executive functioning, uh, I'm also going to be bringing in um, a specialist in executive functioning. Brian Willoughby will be diving much deeper into uh, what executive functioning is and strategies. But for today, I just wanted to give you um, a general overview. So, you know, I would say a a technical definition is... um, You know, the executive functions are a set of processes that all have to do with managing oneself and one's resources in order to achieve a goal. Um, And and it's sort of an umbrella term for the neurologically based skills involved in mental control and self-regulation. So... If we start looking at that, we can say that it's it's sort of the cognitive processes, the parts of the brain that help um, regulate, you know, how we do things, how we control our emotions, how we manage our thoughts and our actions, um, and it includes, you know, like a whole host of things. So it's planning and working memory and attention. We might even say um, impulse control, uh, problem solving, you know, verbal reasoning. Um, one's inhibition or lack of inhibition and, uh, you know, cognitive flexibility. So this is where we talk about flexible thinking in the past Uh, and, you know, initiation, you know, or uh, taking that initiative, as we would say, and starting things Um, and also monitoring of actions. And, you know, if we think about how this might look in real life, if we move to, um, 
you know, I think we would normally say if we're looking at, you know, the planning piece, right, we could say being able to plan um, an event or even just plan um, a writing assignment or plan a project. Uh, there's this a challenge in forward thinking. Um, and, you know, another piece, I guess it kind of fits into there too, is problem solving. So, you know, we have some sort of you know, issue that comes up and not really knowing all the different steps to be able to manage through uh, that problem. And then uh, working memory. So that's another piece where, um, you know, it, it's super interesting. We, we have a lot of folks with autism who have an amazing memory um, for a lot of details. And we talked about special interests. Uh, however, sometimes, you know, the, the working memory, sort of like that shorter term piece, um, can be things like remembering to eat or, you know, what day it is or where we are, um, you know, what, where we are in the week um, or what the steps are for brushing teeth or making food. Uh, so those are things that can impact, you know, your day to day with working memory. Um, attention and focus. So sometimes uh, I know um kids can get diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, which executive functioning does fall um, oftentimes with those who have ADD or ADHD. Uh, but, you know, again, we might see a little bit of this, so that this can get a little bit confusing as we're looking at a diagnosis. But um, again, not being able to focus for long periods of time um, and attention kind of getting uh, you know, swayed. Uh, and again, could this, some of this be a little bit of sensory sensitivities? Yeah. <laughs> um, or could it be a whole host of other things? We're not sure. Um, so this is why we have this complexity um, and overlapping pieces. Uh, we also have, you know, lack of initiation or what we would say lack of initiation. But again, if you're not really sure where to start and what the process steps are, that's where initiation can get challenging. Uh, and then inhibition. So we might have someone who lacks inhibition. So, you know, this is where maybe that impulse control piece comes in. Um, and again, could this be sensory sensitivities? Maybe. Um, and, you know, this is where you know, just um, not being able to control their uh, impulsivity. But, you know, again, that might fall under emotional regulation too, right? So it gets a little tricky. Um, but I think aside from trying to figure out what bucket it might fall under, um, these are just some things that one might see. And, and again, it's not going to be all of them. Uh, it might only be some of them. And um, interesting thing is, is there are many uh, people diagnosed with autism who really some of their main uh, main challenge might be with executive functioning. It might not necessarily be that social uh, communication piece, um, and it might not be uh, you know the repetitive restrictive behaviors as you know, the main thing, it might be executive function. So uh, again, we have to really think about that lens that we're looking through. Um, here's also where you might see that flexibility, you know, or inflexibility in thinking. Um, and, and again, it's not for lack of wanting to be flexible. I think it's more for not knowing necessarily how 
uh, what another way is to think or what another way is to approach a particular situation or a problem. Now, again, could this be some social communication? Maybe. Um, you know, so again, uh, this kind of also overlaps with that problem solving piece. And then another thing that's interesting that we need to think about is monitoring. So, um, you know, you know, an example that I've heard is, uh, you know, normally we can, you know, walk on the street, you know, and not even think about it and be able to, you know, do that. That's sort of an automatic process that we have. And then we can kind of multitask, right? Our body knows what to do. Um, however, if the, uh, if the executive functioning piece kind of gets a little overwhelmed, then it might be that actually walking down the street um, can become a challenge and it can become then something you have to actually think about. And it's interesting because um, in a future uh, podcast, we also we talk, I talked with uh, Carol Kranowitz uh, with sensory sensitivities. And I, I had mentioned in the last um, episode about sensory sensitivities and having uh, this extra, you know, the eighth sense, which is interoception. And I'm sometimes thinking there's another term that I, I learned uh, as well. So, you know, it's new in thinking that there's this other sense of, um, you know, how to uh, remember uh, how our body's feeling. So the need to go to the bathroom, that need to um, remember to eat or that feeling of hunger um, and the feeling of pain and certain things where it's not necessarily those main five senses. It's sort of this other system happening. And Carol talks a bit about that. Um, so th it kind of over overlaps here as well with this monitoring of, you know, like these automatic processes that happen um, and they kind of get overridden and what would normally be an, an automatic process that we would do or, you know, kind of be on autopilot, it, it can get a little... Um, it can get a little dicey if the senses get overwhelmed or our uh, executive functioning processes get overwhelmed. Now, this is true. Um, this is true for everyone. <laughs> this can happen to everyone. Um, so I just want you to keep that in mind that this might not necessarily be exclusive to um, just people who are diagnosed with autism. And so things that we have to consider when we're doing that, you know, we might look at some of these challenges as someone being purposeful, you know, or uh, defiant and not wanting to get certain things done. They're not willing. Maybe we see them as lazy uh, or, you know, not motivated. Uh, and then maybe we fall into this mean, you know, or, you know, difficult kind of person to manage um, and work with. But, uh, you know, if we start looking at it through more of a neurological lens and not that negative lens. Um, remember, those types of uh, outward behaviors that we're seeing are really just a symptom of other things happening behind the scenes. So what are the frustrations that are happening behind that? So we've already talked about the social communication, so maybe there's some confusion there. 
We've talked about social anxiety. Uh, we've talked about sensory sensitivities. Um, and now if we move into this executive functioning piece, maybe it's an inability to know where to start with a particular task or assignment, um, not knowing how to organize it, uh, and not knowing you know, what to do, uh, what the next step is. And also given all of these pieces, um, I'm, I'm hoping that you're getting the sense that um, you know, having autism can be super exhausting. So, you know, here's yet another piece. And this is oftentimes the executive function piece is what we see on the outside. And this might be some of the first things that we're noticing um, in a classroom or at home. Um, So, you know, some things you might see that are you know, day to day, um, organizing oneself, you know, organizing with time uh, and organizing space. So you might see someone not be able to um, remember what order to get dressed in. Or perhaps, you know, concept of time is not there. Uh, and also, you know, how to organize their space. And we talked a little bit about that in the past, um, how to put things on their desk or how to, you know, lay out clothes before getting ready or what order to wash themselves in. Um, so again, something else to think about. Again, we talked about planning. So this forward thinking of planning Um problem solving, starting and stopping. So it's not knowing when to stop a particular assignment. Maybe they get so caught up that they're, they're just stuck in it and, and don't know when it's time to pause. Um, and then, you know, not being able to explain themselves in words is not necessarily just a social uh, communication issue. It can be that they're not sure how to organize what they're thinking into a way that makes sense to someone else. Um, So again, that could be a a, a piece. Um, You know, some people might be able to, like I said, pay attention to super minor details, but then they don't see how those details fit into the bigger picture. And I've actually seen the opposite is also being able to see the very big conceptual picture, but forgetting all the details or not being able to see what those details are uh, inside. And, you know, some other things we might see is timeliness might might be a challenge or perhaps um, for fear of not being on time, always super early. So not just like the 10 minutes early, but like an hour early. Um, And then, you know, again, prioritizing tasks can be a challenge. Uh, Multitasking, you know, again, doing more than one thing. And although I have seen some some articles that multitasking really isn't a thing uh, from everyone. <laughs> so we're really kind of just half doing things um, if we're doing more than one thing at a time. Um, but in general, multitasking uh, can be a, a bit of a challenge. Uh, understanding open-ended questions, understanding instructions um, and the sequencing of them. Uh, and envisioning, you know, what the next steps of a project are or an assignment. So, you know, um, you know, maybe it's organizing the assignment, maybe it's organizing the materials and organizing their workspace. Uh, I often joke that this is the um, the backpack that's sort of overflowing and there might be papers at the bottom that, you know, who knows how long they've been there. Um, this is the, you know, someone gets the homework assignment. It does make it into the backpack, but somehow it gets lost from the backpack to, um, to being home. 
And then the reverse, the assignment can be done, can get into the backpack, go back to school, but it somehow <laughs> doesn't get handed in um, or it's just we can't find it. Uh, or maybe this is the locker that I call it the locker that's throwing up or the desk that's throwing up. Um, so that might be uh, something that we might see. Uh, rooms that are disorganized. Um, so again, this could be you know, signs of executive functioning challenge. Um, and, you know, so what can we do about that? Um, some things and ideas would be, you know, really starting to implement structure and routines. Um, you know, that is, uh, we, you might often hear people talking about structure and routine being really helpful for people with autism, and this is one of the reasons. And we'll, we'll talk um, in part six, we'll talk a little bit about anxiety and how structure and routine can be helpful for managing anxiety as well. So um, again, let's apply strategies that cover multiple things. And again, none of this is hard for, I mean, none of this uh, is hard to apply to a broader audience. So if you're a teacher in a classroom or you're a parent with multiple children, you know, all of these types of things can help everyone. Uh, so it's sort of this universal design concept. Um, you know, provide, you know, information and instructions in writing. Um, so sometimes it's in writing. Sometimes it's using technology. Maybe it's a phone checklist. Uh, if if uh, someone, most people have some sort of devices uh, available to them, but sometimes a post-it works just as well. Um, I know that uh, some students would post a post-it in their dorm room to remind them to, you know, take their medicine and remember their wallet and remember their keys, remember their school ID um, and put it on the door on the way out. I thought that was a brilliant strategy. So, you know, there's all different ways to kind of have those reminders Um but providing specific instructions um, in an email. So if you're an employer um, or even for students, you know, e emailing a list of broken down uh, instructions can be super helpful. Hi, this is Elia. Just wanted to let you know that SSG also offers trainings, consultations, and parent coaching. Uh, check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com and I'd love to hear from you. Also breaking down the steps of a task um, and then maybe creating some sort of estimate as to how long it would take to get those tasks completed. So if uh, and if we're not sure, then we kind of test it. So how long do we think it's going to take to complete uh, this particular you know, assignment? And then we can then use that time frame, however long it actually takes, to then apply it for future assignments. And um, but if you have an estimate of time, then let's give it an estimate of time and see how long it should take uh, and then help someone prioritize their tasks so they know what the most important pieces are. So there's all different ways of doing that. You could do uh, tables and spreadsheets. Um, perhaps just a list. You can color code. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to, to do that. 
And then I think one of the biggest things, and I've talked about this before, is explaining the context and the reason for each assignment. You know, I think uh, everyone really wants to know the why, but our particular folks want to know why. Why is this important? Why are you asking me to do this? How does it fit into the overall uh, structure of what we're doing? So, so apply that importance to what needs to get done. Have clear spaces of where things should go. Um, you know, teachers are really great at having, you know, different hand-in locations for assignments, folders. Um, now in our virtual world, maybe it's uh, a Google Drive or maybe it's a Dropbox or something like that, but very specific places. And, and actually, I think technology like that can really help um, with executive functioning because the stuff is always online. You can always find it. And it, it is less likely to get lost. So um, I think that can be really helpful. Uh, but if you're at home, there's also, you know, where are specific places for clothing that needs to get put away? Or where do the shoes go? Um, where do you keep certain food items so that they know exactly where to go get them all the time? So that stuff can be really helpful. Um, and, you know, visual supports to teach organization, right? So like I mentioned, the post-it note, that can be a visual support, or maybe it's something a little more formal with pictures of the steps of how to get ready for the day, um, or tips on how to pack that backpack. So we may have seen some of those types of strategies, those visual checklists. Um, so those can be really helpful. And then um, developing other strategies for reminders. There's automatic texts. You can set up reminders on the calendar. Um, there's actually reminder on many phones. There are lots and lots of apps out there. And we'll be talking about some of those uh, technological strategies in the future so that you know some of the things that are out there that can be really helpful. And setting up tracking systems, you know, so for work completion. So if we're using like uh, Google Classroom, that has a set of, um, you know, you can, you can put an assignment in there with a due date and then for the participant, the student can then see what is coming up due. Um, and then once it's completed, they can see that it's been completed and there's a checklist um, and they can constantly monitor what needs to get done. And, you know, I think a big piece is allowing extra time for learning. So this might be where that extra time piece comes in so that um, students can really have the amount of space <laughs> they need to get the work done. So the work can get done and, and highly capable of getting the content done, but maybe they just need that extra time for it. Um, and, you know, I think a biggest thing which can be really challenging is not always coming to the rescue and not always wanting to come up with that solution. And sometimes it can get frustrating for us as parents or for teachers or for employers. Um, but we also have to allow for the ability to learn the skill because it's not that it's not learnable. It's just that it takes longer time. And uh, if if we're always kind of coming to the rescue, <laughs> it makes it uh, a little harder for them to learn. So um, I know I've been guilty of that myself. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we have to remember where to take that step back. So I hope that uh, that was a little bit helpful. Executive function is um, can get super detailed. There are coaches out there that help with executive functioning. And, um, you know, one of the things that 
this this could be a topic that could span you know for a full conference. <laughs> so um, it's it's super interesting um, because there are so many pieces to it. Uh, but I hope I was able to give you a little bit of an overview, so you kind of get a sense, a couple strategies that maybe you hadn't thought of. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll definitely be having a conversation uh, with Brian Willoughby, who will be uh, giving us even more, and we'll dig deeper. So thank you all for being with me in this episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.